This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. What is a guidebook in the natural sense? It's something that offers information or instruction. A guidebook is a way to follow or a pathway. It's a concise reference book providing specific information. Information about a subject or a location. And so the title we're going to deal with this afternoon is The Bible is God's Guide for Us. The Bible is God's Guide for Us. Let's spend a few minutes looking at this world in which we now live. <clears throat> Airliners, radios, televisions, x-rays, computers, wonder jugs, all these make up our modern world. They make it very different outwardly from those of past ages. The modern world in which we live is a very wonderful place with our labour saving and time saving devices in industry and in the home and this is all made possible by the amazing advances of science these then have increased our leisure and contributed to the comfort and pleasure of countless millions. And in the field of medicine and of surgery, we have seen the same progress over certain over recent years. And so without committing ourselves to the religious opinions of the Victorian age, we can look back in order to see the contrast between their age and our age. For example, in the days of our grandparents, people in general were satisfied that the reasons of and the cure for our ills was to be found in the Bible. But this present generation on the contrary. For this generation looks to any other authority except the Bible. Yes, we have travelled a long way since the days when a Bible was to be found in railway station waiting rooms. From the time when Bible discussion was a regular feature of the daily press. Discussions in which the leading statesmen of the day and other public figures would enthusiastically join in. It was some years 
In general, since schools held assembly first thing in the morning, it would commence with the Lord's Prayer. A reading would be taken from the Bible. This has now passed. It has given place to a new order and a new outlook. Bible discussions today send everyone into a strange silence. Bible discussions cause embarrassment and uneasiness, a loss of what to do or what to say next or how to turn the conversation. The Bible introduces principles and subjects of which most people have only imperfect knowledge. And if arguments were to arise, then it usually ends in bad feelings and in frayed tempers. There is only one Bible written, but many versions. And this book, the Bible, is simply the word of the living God. <clears throat> and we as Christadelphians believe it from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. The words of Almighty God, the great creator of heaven and earth. This book, the Bible, speaks of truths that cannot be obtained from any other source. For this book is the inspired word of God, as we say, Genesis to Revelation. It consists of some 66 books written by at least 33 different writers over a period of 1,500 years. <clears throat> and these writers came from different backgrounds. There were kings, priests, fishermen, herdsmen, scholars... And although this book, the Bible, is a library of some 66 books, yet it contains in it a basic theme. A basic theme that unites them all as one. And this harmony could not have been achieved by man. This book, the Bible... <clears throat> could have been written only under the direct control of Almighty God. And so then the basic theme that unites this book together is termed simply the gospel. It's a word that literally means the good news. It's a good message emanating from Almighty God. And the theme of the Bible is grand and majestic. <clears throat> it's a revelation to men and women of the attributes and purposes of God. And so this then is its uniqueness. For no other source of this knowledge can be found among all the literature of the world. 
It is in the Bible that the creator and sustainer of the universe, Almighty God, proclaims that he ordered the earth in all its manifold riches and wonders as a habitation for men and women. <clears throat> we we'll have to look at two verses in scripture to prove that Almighty God created this earth for a purpose, for God's purpose. One quote from the Old Testament and one quote from the New. Firstly, just to go to the book of Isaiah, 45th chapter of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah 45 and we see there verse 18 <clears throat> for thus saith the Lord that created the heavens God himself that formed the earth and made it he hath established it he created it not in vain he formed it to be inhabited I am the Lord and there is none and as we turn over into the New Testament, go over to the book of Revelation, Revelation and the fourth chapter. And we read there at the last verse of this fourth chapter, verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so then a guidebook or a guide speaks to us of a way to follow. A road or a pathway or simply a way to walk. And it is so as far as the word of God is concerned. All men and women, all men and women have a choice. One does not have to believe in Almighty God and His Word. One can go their own way, but one must be prepared to accept the final outcome. Narrow way leads to life, the broad way leads to destruction. And so then, what is Almighty God looking for in men and women, in you and in I? Again, we look at a couple of verses in Scripture, go back to Isaiah again, then the 66th chapter. <clears throat> Isaiah 66 Isaiah 66 and we look at the opening verses verse 1 tells us <clears throat> thus saith the Lord the heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool 
Where is the house that ye build unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things hath been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. And this word trembleth, as we have here, usually means to be fearful of something. But in this second verse here of Isaiah 66, it means reverential, and that is to have respect, to have great respect for God's holy word. For God's word is holy. It's separate from that of man. And so we stand then in awe before God's holy word. For it is truth. For God is truth. And so then it is this man, it is to this man will I look, says God. To him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. To the man or woman that has profound respect for the word of the living God. And so which way then do we walk? <clears throat> which way do we walk that is pleasing to our God? Or what does our God require of us? It's simply a keeping of his laws, statutes and commandments. We'd like to look for a few minutes at Israel of old. They were God's chosen people. They were spoken of as the apple of God's eye. But they were given laws and commands that they must keep. <clears throat> that they must keep that they might walk aright before their God. <clears throat> and the same to each one of us that we might be guided along right ways and right doings the people of Israel they were called out of Egypt that they might attain unto a state of fellowship of unity with almighty God and to do so required that they love their God with all the heart, soul and mind. Because Israel were to be a separate and a holy people to their God. <clears throat> Just go back to one verse in Deuteronomy. Go back to chapter 7. The 7th chapter of Deuteronomy. we look at verse 6 <clears throat> speaking here of Israel it says for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God 
The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. <coughs> in the 10th chapter here in Deuteronomy, we see the basic requirements that are necessary for a people that are separated unto their God. And the writer clearly underlines the responsibilities resting upon Israel and how they are expected to carry them. He warned them in treating with God they do so with one who is able to reward or to punish. And therefore, there was a need to fear God's holy name, to <coughs> respect the ordinances that he had set before them. Just go over then, as we say, to chapter 10, here in Deuteronomy. two verses in this 10th chapter we look at verse 12 13 <clears throat> and now Israel what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul Verse 13, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. And so what then does the Lord God require of us, as he did of the Israel of old? It's the prophet Micah who gives us the answer. Because he says in his sixth chapter, and we quote these words, he says, He has showed the old man what is good. And what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And so back in Deuteronomy 10, we see Moses, the writer here, provides a similar answer to that of the prophet Micah. He lists some five requirements of grace as we have in the 12th verse of this 10th chapter of Deuteronomy. <coughs> and they are, one, to fear the Lord thy God, two, to walk in all his ways, three, to love him, and four, to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul. And then in verse 13, of this 10th chapter, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee. And so the first of these requirements is to fear the Lord thy God. As we say fear is not speaking of something of which we are afraid or frightened. It speaks of divine respect 
for almighty God and his holy word. And in the book of Proverbs, this word fear is spoken of as the first fruits of knowledge. In other words, if the knowledge of God and his revelation does not induce this fear, this reverence, then it has failed to perform its basic purpose. Just two verses, one or two verses in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. <coughs> Proverbs chapter 1. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. <coughs> Next chapter, chapter 2, look at verse 3. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, let it up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her, as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The second requirement that Moses put to Israel, as we read in that 10th chapter of Deuteronomy, is that of walking in the ways of God. And this requires the application of principles in action. When we come to an understanding of the principles of Almighty God and His Holy Word, then our walk changes. We walk in the opposite way, no longer after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What are those words of the Apostle Paul as he speaks to the Athenian uh, to the Athenians brethren and sisters what is that walk that he speaks of a correct way to follow, a pathway that is right just turn over to Ephesians Ephesians chapter 2 Look at the opening verses. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Back to verse 12. At that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And if we just turn over the page to chapter 4, and the opening verses of this fourth chapter, Paul says, 
I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. The third requirement to Israel and to all true believers is that of love of Almighty God and to love him as Deuteronomy says. Love manifests a readiness to sacrifice self-interests in the performance of God's will. This being a necessary addition to both fear and war. And what was the question <clears throat> What was the question put to the Lord Jesus as we have in the Gospel of Matthew? That 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Just look at one or two verses. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Let me come down to verse 35 question is put to the Lord Jesus that they might trap him. What does it say? Verse 35 of Matthew 22 Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. That's Jesus tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And again it's in John in his second epistle. And we quote... John says, and this is love, that we walk after his commandments. And this is a commandment that he, as how you have heard from the beginning, that ye should walk in it. And so then the fourth requirement, as Deuteronomy 10 uh, told us, is to serve the Lord thy God with all the heart and with all the soul to serve it is to submit to the status of a servant and that means to acknowledge the authority and the right of the almighty God as master that we might serve our God acceptably and finally the fifth of the requirements that are needed the true believer is to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. To keep the commandments of the Lord. And this word keep, to keep, is from the root which signifies to hedge about, to guard, 
to protect, to attend. It has the idea of carefully meditating these commandments with the object of fulfilling them. For the purpose of the writing of this book of Deuteronomy was to prepare both Israel of old and ourselves as believers that we might enter the land of promise. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. <clears throat> and this, as we say, being Moses' fifth requirement of grace. This phrase, for thy good, as the 13th verse of Deuteronomy 10 concludes, it speaks of those who fear or who give reverence to Almighty God who are obedient unto him, who walk in his ways, who love him and serve him and keep his commandments. Those who do these things are promised benefits in the future age. We have those to play our part. <clears throat> and so then how many times do we read in the book of Deuteronomy of the keeping of the commandments and statutes of almighty God because it was and it is so important it's a matter of life or death and as the fifth chapter of Deuteronomy commences it commences with these same words. And that the verses go on and they speak to us of a recital, as it were, of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments that are laid down for men and women to follow, to be a guide unto them as they seek to obey Almighty God. Just go back then to... Deuteronomy and that fifth chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 5. We see there in verse 1 And Moses called all Israel, said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak in your ears, that ye may learn and keep and do them. Verse 7. Thou shalt have no, none other gods before me. Verse 8. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image. Verse 9. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Verse 11. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So the verses go on. And so it was, and it is in our days also, the responsibility of parents to teach their children these basic commandments. What for? For goodly living. For goodly living. 
And in that introductory reading, which we had read in the next chapter here, in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, we are told about this teaching. Look at verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that ye may do them in the land whither ye go to possess it. Come down to verse 6. <clears throat> and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Verse 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Verse 9. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house, and on thy gates. <clears throat> this word to teach, as we have in verse 7 here, gives the idea of grinding of the teeth. For example, like teeth, like teeth with food. For the teeth grind the food small, small that we might swallow, not to have indigestion, but a little at a time, a little at a time, but often. Teach a little at a time so we are able to take in and to digest. And the scriptures speak of this teaching in Isaiah, we won't look at it, it tells us there, as precepts upon precepts, as line upon line, here a little and there a little. And then as we read in that ninth verse of the sixth of Deuteronomy, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And to write means that Israel might write these commandments down, that they might be impressed upon them. Because if you write something out, you will remember it. <clears throat> And so we conclude by looking at two verses here in this sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. It's telling us here in these two verses, verses 17 and 18, it's telling us of that which we have to do all our days, that we might be found worthy before Almighty God. Just look at verse 17 and 18. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. Verse 18. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. Verse 18 
do that which is right and good in the sight of our God. And the word right here in the Hebrew is the word yashar. And it simply means that which is straight or upright or consistent with the will and purpose of Almighty God. And this word good, as we have in this 18th verse, thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of God. This word good speaks of that which gives pleasure to our God and so what is it that gives pleasure to our God and we've read it many times this afternoon from God's word what doth the Lord require of thee that thou might do justly fear his ways walk sorry fear the Lord thy God walk in his ways and to serve him with all the heart and soul. And so then what is it that gives pleasure to our God? And it simply is to keep the commandments and the statutes of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day for thy good, says Almighty God. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm-hmm.